I felt alone. I felt like who grows up thinking they're half black and finds out they're not. There's nobody else in the world who's had this discovery. And of course, I'm wrong. <laughs> Lots of people are making these discoveries. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 141. And today I have on two guests, and we'll be hearing a little bit of their stories, as well as talking about the upcoming Untangling Our Roots Summit, which will be happening March 2023. But first, let me welcome two of my favorite people. I have on Kara Rubenstein Darren and Alicia Weiss. Hi, Kara. Hi, Alicia. Good morning. Hi, Lily. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for doing this, you guys. Um, you guys and what you have done for the MPE community has helped me immensely over the last few years. So thank you so much for all the work you do, all your volunteer work, your service work. Um, you two are also the founders of Right to Know, the advocacy group for for us. And you you have been hosting these, I guess I would call them monthly webinars, Zoom meetings. You guys, they have helped me so much with my healing. The people you bring on, the experts, the social workers, the therapists, the art therapists, the the MPEs, the the DCPs, the LDAs, like I have learned so much. So thank you for hosting um, and doing all the things that you guys do. I really appreciate it. Well, the whole goal is to make sure everyone understands they're not alone. And I think by, by listening to other people's stories, which you greatly help, um, people learn that they're not a, a unicorn and that they're not alone and others are experiencing similar things. So it's so helpful to hear the, that. Thanks, Lily. Yeah. I'm going to be participating in your upcoming, are you bringing on an art therapist for NPEs coming up? I'll be doing that one. Um, I should put a link in for that since I'm mentioning it. It's they're usually on a Sunday, right? Yes. Sunday, Sunday at noon Pacific time. And we're really excited. We have Stephanie, who's an art therapist in Washington state. And we have uh, arranged, Alicia helped to arrange uh, her to come on for three sessions. Normally, we don't do that. Normally, we have a different licensed therapist come on and do our community and connection, uh, which is basically a space where we don't record those. So you can talk about whatever you want. And they're, they're, it's meant to be a healing space. Um, but this uh, community and connection is going to be uh, this Sunday in November and then in December um, December 4th and January 8th. And I loved what Stephanie did. She divided it into three parts. So we're having finding direction and she used the idea of a, of a, of a butterfly. So, you know, finding direction as a caterpillar and then finding strength when you're in your cocoon 
And that's what we'll do December 4th, because I think over the holidays brings up so many different things for those of us who have had an MPE or who are adopted or donor conceived. And so it's finding strength during that sometimes difficult time period. Uh, And then um, January 8th, she's doing finding self. And that's the butterfly where you you sort of, and I think New Year's is all about, you know, uh, resolutions and your sense of self. So I think it's such a great combination with the holidays too. Uh, for what she is proposing to do. I'm really excited. We did one with her a while ago and she's amazing. I'm I'm so excited for these. I've done one of your other, I, you had an art therapist months ago. Maybe it was last year. I participated in that. She had us do some doodles, some drawings, and we even held our, you were on a Zoom, you know, a private Zoom. We even held up our art to each other <laughs> if we wanted to. Um, but I, I love, love that. <laughs> yeah. I love these sessions, you guys. And I get to see, well, first of all, I get to see your smiling faces. I get to see you guys. But I also get to see other people that have been on the podcast. And, you know, we kind of have some of us regulars in the in the MPE community. And you start to really get to know everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just nice to hear them in a kind of a free, safe space to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. All right, you guys. So we need to get a little bit of background of your stories, because this is NPE stories. Um, Cara, I think your story is so fascinating. (laughs) Can can we get, can we get a brief, however you want to, a brief version of of how you found out you're an NPE? Um, I, and I think this is true of a lot of people who've had an NPE. Um, I was into genealogy. I've always been the keeper of the family genealogy. And I, you know, in my mother's side of the family, we had those books, right? Um, We don't do that anymore because everything's online, but the books that the families would produce, and I was the one who held on to those. And on my dad's side of the family, um, we had traced our ancestry back to three slave brothers who were sold in Texas. And I have three sons, and I thought, I want to do a Finding Our Roots tour in Africa. But when you are, when your ancestors are slaves, you don't know where in Africa they're from. So I thought, oh, ancestry has these ethnicity things and it will tell us where to go. How fun will that be? Um, Fun. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I bought for um, Black Friday on Thanksgiving, um, ancestry DNA tests. And I asked my dad, uh, I gave him his for Christmas and I did mine right away as soon as I got it. And then I asked my dad, I gave him his for Christmas and he wasn't too sure about doing it, but he was like, all right, baby, if it's important to you, I'll do it. And I got my test results back in, um, three days before my birthday in January. When I got my test results back, it showed I was 50% something. And I should have known right there, there was a problem because if you're descended from Africa, you're not half, especially if you're slaves, unless you're um, from Africa, like this generation, you have a whole bunch of things that make up your ethnicity. Uh, But when I clicked into it, it said I was Ashkenazi. It doesn't say that anymore, but I had no idea what Ashkenazi even meant. I'd never heard that word before. (laughs) So I looked it up and it said I was uh, 50% Ashkenazi Jewish. And I thought, I don't think my mom's ever met anybody Jewish before, but apparently she has at least once. Um, And what was weird for me was my mom and I, it's just been her and I growing up and she's always been there on my birthday or called me. And this birthday, she did not. I felt like the universe was sending her a message. (laughs) Um, 
And it took a few days to get a hold of her. And I'm really grateful that when I said, Mom, I got my ancestry results back and it showed I have zero African DNA and that I'm half Jewish. And my mom's response was, well, if it's a DNA test, it's DNA doesn't lie. So I was really grateful for that response. Of course, we all know what my next question was. Okay, mom, if dad isn't my dad, then who is my dad? <laughs> um, <clears throat> and she couldn't remember. Um, I was 44 years when I, old when I had my discovery. Um, and it took me about a year to really pull all the little bits of information from her. She had so much shame. Um, and I just felt, because she was married at the time her husband, my dad, had left her. My dad was a heroin addict, and he was obviously a black man. Um, and he left her, and she was sad and 18, and she wanted to drown her sorrows, and she was doing it in a bar in a restaurant because they sold her alcohol. And that's where she met my genetic father uh, for a one-night stand. I know everybody, your listeners can appreciate when you get that email, when you figure it out, when you have that moment in space and time, it's like everything freezes. I don't know if you've seen in the movies where they spin around and zoom out like to the top of the world. That's what I felt like in that moment. And my brain just could not comprehend. I felt like I was stuck. (laughs) Uh, And I just, I remember, I mean, I cried and cried and cried. Um, And then I called my friend who had helped map the human genome. And I was like, do you think they could get my, they swapped my DNA? I mean, they must have accidentally mixed it up with somebody else's. And she said, have you opened your matches? And I was like, no. And she said, well, open your matches and see if you recognize any of the names. And I said, yeah, my mom's family's on here. I said, maybe they got half of it wrong. (laughs) Still in denial. And she said, no, honey, that's not possible. And she gave me some advice, which is my first piece of advice, which was, you can be whoever you want. Because I said, how can I, I have 44 years of lived experience as a biracial person. And now I'm not. How do I go from being that? I would feel uncomfortable lying to say I'm half black because I'm technically not anymore. So who am I? And she said, you can be whoever you want. I am a black woman, but I identify as Latina and that's okay. And so she really helped me. I think it was a good basis for me to start to explore my identity. It took me a long time to get to the space where I was comfortable doing that. But her words echoed a lot throughout my discovery. It took me about five months to identify my genetic family. I had about 10,000 cousins on Ancestry because of endogamy and being Jewish. Um, but there was no close matches to make it hard. Um, my genetic father, Sam Rubenstein, was deceased when I found him. And he had only had one son. And his son died within six months of me reaching out to him. So the rest of the family, which is quite small, unusually with a Jewish family, um, chose not to have contact with me, uh, which made it difficult in trying to figure out who I was now because of my ethnicity loss and change. And my husband, who's been very supportive, said, let's go to an intro to Judaism class together. He's an atheist. Um, And so we went together. And as we were there, he was like, this is so you, you live like this, you've raised our children like this. 
this is who you are. This is crazy. And so when I went to um, a temple for the first time, I went with um, a friend and I just looked around and I thought, I have never been in a room where I looked like anybody before. And I couldn't even hear what was happening because all I could do was stare at the other people in the room who looked like me. It was such an incredible feeling. And I've talked about passing before. um, And I realized my grandfather, if anybody doesn't know the concept of passing um, in the black community, sometimes people can pass as white. And my grandfather used to say to me, well, you can pass as white. And if we get back to how times were before you need to pass. And I was like, well, I would never deny half of who I am. Why would I do that? And he's like, you just don't understand what it's like. And when you get to that point, I want you to pass. And I said, never, never pop. I would never do that. But then when I'm in this temple, if I keep my mouth shut, I could pass as Jewish. And I don't know if it'd even be passing because I am Jewish. But it was such a weird experience to have that opposite thought process for myself. And a few months later, I went to temple where I could actually focus and listen to what the rabbi was saying. And I just had a moment um, in my soul where I was like, it was so familiar. It was almost an out-of-body experience. Um, listening to the Hebrew and what the rabbi was saying. Of course, I couldn't understand it, but it felt like I had heard it before. Um, And so that started my Jewish journey. And now you are even going to Israel in a couple days. Yes, I'm so excited (laughs) to go to Israel and learn about, immerse myself in Jewish culture, Jewish language, and continue my language studies. I'm really excited. I will say that, you know, I felt alone. I felt like who grows up thinking they're half black and finds out they're not. There's nobody else in the world who's had this discovery. And of course, I'm wrong. <laughs> Lots of people are making these discoveries. But I just felt like there was nobody to talk to, nobody to help me process. I did see a therapist, but she had no experience working with these discoveries. And um, I met Alicia and... Um, Gregory Loy and David Ray. Gregory is donor conceived and David is a late discovery adoptee. And we had a TV interview together and we were just thinking, we need help. We need somebody to advocate for us. We need somebody to get help us find the mental health help that we need. Um, and we need a space for education because who knows what a centimorgan is and who knows what um, ambiguous loss means and all of these things that are so helpful in your healing journey. And that's when we decided to create Right to Know more than three years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's how you two met on a TV interview. Well, we met on one of the Facebook support groups before that and the um, local TV station had asked that um, me to do an interview and that I... I really wanted to highlight the fact that it's not just people who are the with an NPE who are the products of an affair or a one night stand or a rape or an assault, but also adoptees and also donor conception. This is a huge community of people mm-hmm. who are having these discoveries about genetic identity. And I just wanted to make sure everybody was included. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how we moved forward with Right to Know. Yeah. And Right to Know. Okay. So that was over three years ago. Right to Know has has that really turned into like a full-time thing for you? That's what I do probably for both Alicia and I. I was going to say um, more than full-time. <laughs> That's what we do. 
That's um, we've dedicated the last three years to creating a safe space for people impacted by um, a DNA surprise, genetic identity issues, misattributed parentage. And we like to be extremely inclusive in the sense that um, I had somebody who was a stepchild and her parentage was obscured because when her mom remarried, as happens a lot, her new, her mother's new husband adopted her and that changes your birth certificate. Mm. And so she didn't really know about her uh, genetic father until she got much older and sort of had that DNA discovery, not from a DNA test. And she's like, does this include me? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. We have parents raising parents who call us with who wanting, wanting help um, because they've, they found out their child isn't their child genetically or, you know, now there's issues with their child because of an MPE, or we have genetic family who reach out to us saying, we have this new, I have a new daughter, <laughs> a new son, what do I do? And so we want to be inclusive of everybody impacted by this issue. And that's why you use the umbrella term MPE, correct? Yes, misattributed parentage experience. We had a lot of people in the beginning um, say that they didn't feel like NPE suited them, adoptees. Um, I know there's some, some people use not parent expected. Some people use non-paternal event. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you find out your mom isn't your mom, it's usually because you were adopted informally or formally, or you were donor conceived from an egg or embryo donation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really wanted to sort of make sure all of the communities felt representation And MPE wasn't a term that some people identified with. And misattributed parentage is something that therapists have been using for decades Mm -hmm. um, to identify exactly what we have, misattributed parentage. Yeah. Obviously, there are some people who grew up knowing they're adopted or donor conceived or they have a genetic father out there somewhere. It's just them and their mom. But really, when you come out of the fog, and that's an adoption term, fear, obligation, and guilt and you start to think about your genetic family, we're all in the same space. Thank you so much, Cara, for for sharing so much about that. And Alicia, let's hear a little bit about your story as well, so we can hear your voice as well. Well, thank you, for, for first of all, foremost, for having us on your podcast. Um, Cara and I really appreciate it and uh, gives us an opportunity to to share what we're doing and what we're about with Right to Know. Um, obviously it always starts with our own personal journeys and Caro has eloquently just told her story. Her, she has such a fascinating story because it, it just, it crosses so many barriers, you know, with the cultural ethnicity changes and, and everything that she went through prior. Uh, my story is very, very different yet in some ways similar in 2014, uh, I had, um, retired from working and began the same journey as Cara did learning about genealogy. I was very interested. I had a different um, way of growing up that she did. Obviously I grew up Caucasian white and, um, and I, I feel as if I was very fortunate in a family, uh, a military family. I learned um, early on about being patriotic, uh, a Christian uh, in Christian society, uh, I became, I was a pastor's wife. Everything about me was uh, in regards to my spirituality. I am a very spiritual person. 
I ended up um, beginning to do, I, I actually went through some crises in my life. Um, I have a very severely autistic son. And also I ha- went through a divorce. After this all happened, I began that journey with the genealogy. I had time, I was retired and life was starting, I was starting life anew. And through that genealogy work, I began studying all kinds of information and finally did a genealogy, well, excuse me, an over-the-counter DNA test. The DNA test was very scary to me because I actually tricked, (laughs) in some ways, I hate to say that I tricked my older half-brother into doing the test with me because I had concerns in the back of my head that maybe something was off. The results came back. And I was at home. My One of my children was with me, my younger son. He was, he was a young teenager at the time, 14 years old or so. And the test results came in. This was 2014. Uh, and the test results, the first thing I noticed was that I was half Jewish. Well, I had never, ever <laughs> had heard that before from my mother. I grew up Lutheran. And so that was obviously a huge shock. And immediately I went to the matches and saw that my Half brother did not match with me. We were, um, we were, we were half supposed to be half siblings. I began shaking uncontrollably. Uncontrollably, I, my heart rate. I felt my heart rate go probably over 170, um, and I was about to slip off a chair. And so I was in the kitchen. Uh, my son was with me, and he saw this happening. And I, I was so almost out of control. I was so shocked, even though I knew, I knew that something was different about me. And that is what led me to, um, you know, obviously like anybody else, the search, like looking and uh, after you get through the shock and go through, I went through several months of putting together my story yet did not know my who my biological father was for uh, almost four years. My mother was an immigrant. She was an immigrant when I was born. Uh, she was married to an American and would be working on her citizenship two years later after I was born. But at the time, had uh, left her husband and had uh, an affair with my biological father. I was never, ever privy of this information until obviously after the over-the-counter DNA test. As I talked with her about it. She couldn't remember his name or either she selectively blocked it from her memory. I had at that time only 1700 matches, if you can believe that, on the DNA because my mother was an immigrant from Germany. There was nobody but her at the time that had been in, had come to Germany except maybe one great aunt. So there was nothing showing hardly, there was, I'll, I'll tell you about, it was probably three matches, but they were like fourth to six cousins. So there was literally all these 1,700 Jewish people, which were only four to six cousins. So it was quite a journey from 2014 to the end of 17. And it was then that I began, obviously more people were taking the DNA tests. At that point, a, a DNA test came back that showed a second to third cousin match. From that, I was able to begin to see a picture building trees with my genealogists we finally got matches with a rabbi. And when I matched with the rabbi, was able, I reached out. He reached back out to me. I ended up finding out from him who his mother was. And I was able to, from that, also 
with another match that I didn't get uh, any information back on. I found out I had a nephew that I matched off also with. We were able to, um, with my genealogist's help, uh, de- determine who my biological father was. Four years of that, I think, almost put me in a mental hospital. I was so, I was so upset. I couldn't seem to get my myself together. Uh, even my background of being very spiritual, I just I could not seem to get it together. I had nobody to talk to. There was no one. I mean, I could talk to my friends. They didn't get it. And there was no groups out there. There was nothing like what we have today. Um, and by the time I found out, a few months came went by, and I had a, a a nurse friend of mine. I'm a retired nurse, and she reached out and told me about a support group. I had had no idea until several months after my deter- my discovery. I had nothing from 2014 to you know the end, almost the end of 2017, and um, it was through. The, you know, this, these support groups that were only in their infancy at the time that I finally felt like, oh my God, I'm beginning to feel like a normal person again. I had a lot of rejection in, from the family. My biological father had passed away. He had died in 1989. He was also a, a, a man that had a very checkered past. He was a criminal defense attorney in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. He was almost my age. I'm almost 60. I think he was about 54 or 55 when I was conceived. My mother was 21. And um, his life was um, all over the newspapers when we found him. He was very prominent in the 1950s and uh, an attorney for many, many high-profile cases at that time. Um, But then he had a very tragic life as his life went on. The family, due to his scandalous life, this is what they told me. They des- they decided to reject me, and they did not want anything to do with me because of him. And so that um, that led to a lot of heartache and a lot of um, questioning myself. What, who am I? What you know? When I look in the mirror, am I am I this man that had all these problems? What was going on in his life? That was so horrible. And um, finding a family member, also a brother that had been in prison. Um, my One of my half-brothers had been in prison for 30 years. He was in prison at the time. I found, my, found the family. And um, all of this on top of everything was just, it was almost too much for me. And so um, this, all this happening is, as we know, you need help. And, you know, we, we went through this, um, process when I met Cara discussing, as she mentioned so well, uh, trying to figure out where, how we can help people because I didn't want anybody to suffer for four years like I did. And I identify completely different now due to these discoveries and these critical discoveries have changed me. Don't make no mistake. This is not something you can fool around with when you talk about an individual and a a person. Make no mistake. This is so vital to who I am and what I am, where I'm at in my life. And and that's the emotional and the mental health part of things where I think when we meet and talk with people and I hear these kind of stories with other people, we have, there has to be something out there to help. Yeah. Everybody wants to know they're not alone. Um, 
I think Alicia's story brings up a really important point. I mean, we want to know who we are. We want to know who our family is. It helps inform who we are. Um, we did a study of more than 600 that had more than 600 respondents. And while shock was the first thing they used to describe their discovery, better understanding of their self was really high up there as well. Um, and I think one thing about Alicia's story, the other thing that's so important besides knowing who we are and who our family is, is our medical history. Because we are reporting incorrect information to our doctors and being treated or taking preventative efforts based on false information. And that's why disclosure about unique origins is so important. Alicia's a really good example of that. She had medical issues that um, she didn't know about and she couldn't tell her doctors about that she had that family history. And had you known, right, Alicia, you would have not had surgeries and other things. Um, yes, that's true. I did not know my medical, and I and I, here I am a registered nurse. I'd go into the doctor, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me, you know. And the doctors, I hate to say this, but they just don't listen to women. And I was a nurse too. I mean, I went misdiagnosed for about five years, and I actually had two other prior surgeries before I my brain tumor was found out. I had four other cousins I found out in after 2017's discovery of who my family was that also had brain tumors. Two of them are dead. The are, the men are dead. The women, the three of us women cousins are still living. And this was very traumatic because I had had other surgeries that I think, not that only that I think, I know I would not have had one of the surgeries. I'm, I'm absolutely positive that I would not have had a spine surgery if I'd understood what was going on. Um, and, th you know, as, as Carr said, you know, we, we are getting, we get all kinds of stories from people calling uh, and needing help and submitting. Right to Know has a hotline that people can call, Lily, or an online information request. Um, it's 323-TALK-MPE, or you can go online and request help. Um, I think majority go online. We do get phone calls from the hotline daily, um, but people can ask for, um, on the mental health side, what we do is people can ask for help identifying their genetic parent. They can ask for help finding a MPE informed therapist in their state. Um, sometimes that happens quickly. Sometimes it doesn't. We're continually trying to grow our directory of therapists who have experience working with these discoveries. Or um, we have a great mentor program. So if anybody listening out there wants to volunteer as a mentor, please reach out to us. We also have other volunteer opportunities. But so in our mentor program, we pair someone. So someone calls us and says, I just found out I'm donor conceived. We will find another donor conceived person who's further along in the journey, who's similar experiences and pair them. And then they can talk. They have someone to talk to uh, about their journey. Um, I don't know about you, Lily, but for me, my husband, who was super supportive, but after so long, it's like, okay, I've heard that. <laughs> and my friends just didn't understand, as Alicia said. So it's really nice to have somebody to talk to who can understand. So that's what Alicia was talking about with people reaching out to us. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, we get a number of calls in to the hotline and to in submissions that people send us uh, via email. We um, have had some stories and, and a number of them actually dealing with medical issues. And so I really can't, I gravitate to those. And I talk, I talk to a number of people when I hear these, we had two recently, uh, in fact, both of them, um, one in the donor conceived world and one uh, in NPE. 
they both found out they had MS, multiple sclerosis, and they both want to know, both of them do not, uh, at this point, they both do not know uh, who their, for sure who their biological father is. So this is just, um, this is hard for them because they want to understand if there's nobody on the other side of the family that they know of that has this. So this has become their, their, their journey now. I mean, they're, they're just focused, you know, focused in trying to find their biological father. But in the, in the interim, both of them need, you know, help. They need, um, they both are seeking for some mental health mm-hmm. help. And so mm-hmm. we're able to offer that while they're on this journey of looking for their family, you know, it's, um, this is the hardest thing to imagine. Like you, you have this other, you have these medical issues and you're like, why? I remember saying to my mother, why, why am I like, why do I have this problem? There's nobody in our family that's had any of these issues. I don't get this. And to get a story from my, my mother, like, I don't, I don't know, you know? And it's like, why, why would she, you know, why would she do that? You know, but I'm, again, that's a whole nother issue of dealing with shame and guilt that she had, but this is, this is the truth. These are what happened, you know, happens to us. We don't get our, 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 you know, our information and um, we're left holding the bag with our own mm-hmm. medical information or relying to our doctors, not knowing we're not telling the truth about our own, our own, you know, past medical history from our, our parents but there we are, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can I imagine hundreds of people that are listening can really relate to that going in the doctor, having a problem and telling their history. And they had no idea all that time that they were not telling or afterwards, mm-hmm. like having that conversation with your doctor afterwards, you like, the oh. entire section on that song. <laughs> yeah, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've all had to do that. And it's just a weird little like reminder every time you have to redo it with a new provider or a new doctor. It's like, oh, gosh, yeah. Scratch all that from the last time I was here. Exactly. Exactly. Good to hear you guys still have that hotline going. Um, I frequently get people that want to talk and I try to connect them with other NPEs. But I, I know a lot of people that have been around a couple years. They're ready to volunteer. They're ready to be that person to help talk to the the MPE that found out three days ago and is an absolute wreck. So uh, the 323 Talk MPE or the online request through your, is it the righttoknow.us website? Would yes. that be the best place? know like my rights, and to know, K-N-O-W.us. And there's also a place in there, I want to be a volunteer. You can submit there. You can email us at info at righttoknow.us. But if you're a new, and it's not just new, it's not just people with new discoveries. We That's had a woman, true. was it 10 years, Alicia? She had known for 10 years. Yeah. And then like, like you that. said, Lily, she went into, you know, she had a triggering event, be it going into yep. the doctor. For me, it was like writing my, checking one of those boxes about my ethnicity like I didn't know what to check anymore. And I just ran out of the space crying, right? <laughs> so um, we have, it's not, we we feel like we're healing or healed. And we all know mm-hmm. this is not something you're going to process, tie a ribbon on it and put it away. It is something that you get through, but it you keep visiting it mm-hmm. um, at different points in your life. So sometimes people reach out on the hotline who are, um, who've known for a long time and have been fine. And then for some reason, they're not anymore. 
That's me. I've known for three years and I, you guys, I tell you just like a week or so ago at two in the morning, I was walking around talking to myself in my head. I I have triggering events. <laughs> Who knows what brings them up? But I'm, um, yes, you don't, well, you don't have to be new. That's true. Lily and I were talking about this before about moments of dissonance um, where I'll just be like, wait, who am I? Um, and it's just this moment in my head where I, I I can't process where I am, where how far I've come. I'm stuck back in that moment of, I don't know who I am anymore. We get some new information. It seems like it in our life, like, oh, somebody sends us something. We're like, oh, I, that, I, what, I have to give you this example. You can use it or not. <laughs> this threw, This blew me away last year. I'm thinking enough about my story because there's so much unfortunate things that happened to my biological father and the family. But as I'm studying, I have many, many doctors in my family and uh, psychiatrists. I have a lot of brilliant, brilliant uh, people that are wonderful um, and have and, and not scandalous. So I just want to make sure I make that clear. But um, one, we do a lot of work in the donor conceived community and we work with um, advocacy and, um, been very fortunate to have some amazing people in the donor conceived world that work with right to know. Having said that, we were always trying to work with legislative. Uh, we were doing a lot of state legislation and with one of the states we were working at, um, we were talking to people and uh, looking to get testimony. And so we were working in Michigan and Iowa at the time. And um, I had asked to, I looked at a website that we have run by it's donordeceive.org, right? Is that right, Cara? Uh, one of our volunteers, Tracy Portugal, uh, who's donor conceived. So from that website and then looking also at another website, I was looking at the names of the, the fertility doctors. And so I wanted to find out in different states where they all were. So I got the list and I, I was looking at it. And the very first name on this list was a doctor's name that I knew. And again, that same feeling came over me. Almost, not as bad about finding out who my biological dad was, but I realized that the man, first na- name on that list, it was, I'm going to just say the name because it's out there. He's my, he's, he was married to my first cousin is Dr. Marvin Yesman. He was a physician that took his own sperm. He's a fertility doctor and put it in multiple patients, his multiple women that were his clients and his patients. And they became, became pregnant with his sperm and had his child. Mm. I don't know how many they are now. Could be up to 10, 15. I I, I don't know. Um, But that kind of shock, knowing that that's in my family, that happened in my family, that this man did this, it, it blows me away. And, you know, I've been working with advocacy in this with Cara for quite a long time now. But to know that something like this is in the family where we get one shock after another, after another. I mean, I actually at that time had to go in for more, you know, I went, I'm a veteran. So I started into some more mental health for myself because I had had one thing after another and it was becoming to a point where I, I couldn't see like, is this ever going to end? Is this ever going, you know, am I, am I going to have some peace somewhere, you know, at the end of this whole, whole dilemma and struggle? So yes, you talk about walking and, you know, pacing. I think that's very, very typical and probably normal of many of us out there. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to 
a lot of healing and fellowship coming up at your summit. You guys are putting on here, um, March, 2023, the untangling our roots summit. Let's hear more about it. You guys have such great information and a website. What would you like to share about that today? Because I really, I want people to go like how, how many people have gotten tickets so far? How many are you expecting? We are hoping we can have about 250 people attend. Awesome. Um, we're really excited. Thanks to Leslie McKinnon. She wanted, she has been, um, she's a birth mom uh, who relinquished two children. And then she um, had children uh, via um, assisted reproduction later in life. And she saw the parallels early on between adoption and, and um, donor conception as well as then this new sort of NPE world that's, you know, growing. Um, And she thought, and she's right. I mean, you can see in some of our talks, we just did one last weekend on the intersectionality of these issues. And I've done like a Venn diagram where you can see how much commonality we have, regardless of how we came into this world. And so her brainchild was to do a summit to unite the adoption, assisted reproduction and NPE communities together um, to talk about these issues. So the summit, we're so excited. The summit starts Thursday, March 30th. We're going to kick it off with sort of a meet and greet registration at five o'clock and um, hanging out with each other. We have some fabulous entertainment. We're thinking about doing an open mic where we can share songs and stories and poems. Um, It's going to be so much fun. And then, and I, and I'll pause for a minute here, you know, retreats are something kind of new to people. And awfully, obviously we go to conferences for work. I haven't done these sorts of things before, but I just came back from the cub retreat in Florida, the concern United birth parents, um, retreat. And it was so amazing, Lily, to be in the same room with people who just got me. You don't realize how much you're holding on to things but when you're in a room of people who get you, you can just let go. It was such a fabulous experience. My cup was so filled being with the adoptees and birth parents. Um, I can't say how fabulous it was, like just in how, how relaxing and what a relief to be with that group of people. And so we hope, uh, I know when everybody comes to Louisville, they're going to get that experience too. And, and, and I was sitting in a, a group with some adoptees and birth parents, um, and we were just talking and I just thought oh, we need this in the MPE community. We just need this. And so I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing Louisville. Um, I hope, you know, this is not going to be the only conference that we do. So we're going to have two jam packed days on Friday and Saturday, March 31st and April 1st. Everybody who comes, you get breakfast, you get all day snacks and coffee, whatever, or tea, whatever your choice is, um, and lunch with your tickets for um, Friday and Saturday. And we have yoga and Tai Chi in the mornings, if that interests you, and in the afternoons. We also have um, a therapy room where some of our therapists are volunteering in case too much is brought up or something triggers you or you just need a a quiet space to go because we know this can be a lot for some people. But the, you'll have three options each day. Three, there's three um, different time slots with five different things that you can choose from. Um, and we have one very special panel panel with podcasters. <laughs> um, <Ooh. laughs> and yeah, 
Lily's going to be there. Uh, Eve uh, Sturges from Everything's Relative is going to be the moderator for that panel. We have Alexis Auerselt from DNA Surprises and Luis Joe McLaughlin from You Look Like Me on that panel. So that would be one option that people can do. Um, another one that I've noticed a lot of people are clicking on because you choose your options when you get your ticket is um, It's Your Origins. It's Big Business. So we have Peter Bonney, who will be on that panel talking about that. Mm. Um, we have ethnicity shifts from a DNA surprise. These are all the panels that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an author's panel. And then one of the panels that I'm really excited for is mother's perspectives. And so we'll have a egg provider. We'll have a birth mother. We'll have a raising mother. So all the different mother's perspectives. And we're going to do that also for fathers. And I keep telling Alicia, I want to go to everything. <laughs> and <know>. obviously, <laughs> I'm going to be so busy, so I won't get to really do any of them. But we are pre-recording them. So mm-hmm. people, if they want, they can get a digital version and watch the other ones that they didn't get a chance to go to. Because it's really hard to choose uh, which one. We have 10 different speaker slots. And some of those topics are navigating your genetics and health with Gina Davis. She's amazing. Um, one of the ones that I was really interested in was genetic uh, identity crisis and your career. How does your MPE impact your career path and choices mm-hmm. uh, with Dr. Michelle Tullier. Um, We also have, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of another great, oh, minefields, communicating in high conflict uh, situations. Mm -hmm. We all know what that's like, right? Mm -hmm. um, Our raising families, even not just our genetic families. And Megan Hunter uh, is doing that. She's fabulous. She has the high conflict Institute. Um, DNA angels will be there talking about um, how you can get the most out of your DNA angel. We have how to be an effective, um, legislative advocate with Rich Erlob. So lots of fabulous speakers. And one thing we're doing that day is we have a significant other ticket for that day. So they can come in, they can hear our keynote speaker panel, and then they have their own um, session with Bill McKinnon, Leslie McKinnon's husband, because we all know our significant others go through a lot in helping us and they need their own self-care. So we're really excited to offer that option for significant others. What um, day is that? My husband might be on interested. Friday. That's the Friday one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they can go hang out in Louisville on Saturday. Yep. <laughs> but Friday they can hang out at the conference. We also, at the end of that day, we have a, a comedian time period. We're going to end off with a little com- comedy with Paquita Tynes and Laura High. And I don't know if you all have seen Laura High anywhere. Look her up on TikTok. She's hysterical. She's a DCP. She's so funny. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that. And then if people want, after they get dinner, um, Brian Stanton is going to show Ghost Kingdom. Ooh, I'm going to watch that. Friday. So it's a big, long day. I mean, I know when I was at the Cub Conference, these can be really long days and tiring. But we'll get up on Saturday and we have, again, three choices with the panels like we were talking about. And we also have therapeutic and creative panels. So like setting boundaries for healthy relationships or self-care when you're further along in your discovery or um, recognizing trauma and the power of your inner healing intelligence or something I know I need to work on, nurturing your inner child. So those are all with therapists or um, we have... oh. One of the ones that I thought was just so creative was flash memoir writing. 
That's with Michelle Kragman. That'll be such a fun one to do. Um, we also have transformative journey storytelling with Dan- with um, Carla Barnes. She's amazing. So many fabulous speakers. We feel so blessed. We had more than a hundred people um, submit to speak at the summit. And so we made panels and ways to try to include as many people as possible in this. And then we're going to end. It's really important after spending these two and a half days together, a lot comes up. We're going to end with a rejuvenation, reflection and rejuvenation session uh, before we end at um, six o'clock on Saturday, April 1st. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that. Like I want to do all of them. I want to do all the things. I'm Me going... Too. Are we going to have, are we going to have like name tags saying whether we're DCP or NPE, something like that to identify ourselves? We'll have name tags and Paquita Tynes is going to, she's an adoptee. She's going to be our masters of ceremony and she's great. She's hysterical. She's also a comedian. And so we'll do some icebreakers, some get to know each other's from our different communities in the mornings, both sessions. And we'll have our name tags. We will have those indicators on there. And one thing I just, I went to um, someplace where you could open up your name tag and it had your schedule. So that will be in your name tag. Really helpful. Yeah. (laughs) From my, my own perspective there. So, um, and then of course, well, during the breaks, which we do have lots of breaks, we'll have the authors out there. There's so many great authors who will be at the summit. Um, and podcasters like you, mm. where people can meet, um, if they haven't gotten a chance to meet you in person, they can come and meet you there. Um, I'm so excited for that to meet people you know, in have, person. I have to yes. add a little bit of, a little bit of information about Louisville. Louisville's a great place to actually do other things. If when you, if we have any time left over, or if you, somebody can stay a day or two longer, it's a really fun city. Um, you know, this is where Churchill Downs, where the Kentucky Derby takes oh, yeah. place. Um, they're known for their bourbon trails. Um, we're having this conference at a Marriott there. It's really lovely. Cara flew in in August to go check it out. She spent the night there and she came back with just flying, you know, colors. And it's just a great venue. Um, so there's a lot of uh, things that people can do outside of the conference. I don't know if those of us that have an MPE will get out because mm-hmm. we are so jam packed with, <laughs> with the things we've got going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there are obviously things, other things that people can do when they come to Louisville. I'm so excited about this. I, I lived in Kentucky for a couple of years, so I'm excited to get back to Louisville, check it out. Most, Im- most importantly, just for the summit. Um, yeah. I see you guys signed me up for an 8 a.m. meet and greet. <laughs> yeah. You guys, 8 a.m. I don't know how friendly I'm going to be at 8 a.m. But, the, I, <laughs> but I'm, I am I, I am also signed up for a 1.30 p.m. meet and greet or something like that at 3.30. So, so maybe I'll be breaks. just during okay. the break. I want to be respectful of your time. I know both of you have appointments and lunches with rabbis and phone calls today. Uh, I really appreciate all the information you shared, going over your stories. Uh, you guys, I'm just a huge fangirl for you. So, so, um, but, but Cara, what were you going to say? I just wanted to say, so if you want to get a ticket to come to the summit, um, the website is untanglingourroots.org. Uh, and a wonderful uh, donor conceived woman has volunteered her company, Janice, 
uh, advertising. They have, they're fabulous. They created the most beautiful website that you will see. And there's so much information to see on there. Um, and the design is beautiful. So go there. You can get your tickets. They're 279 right now um, for the first hundred tickets. And the significant other ticket is $119. And again, that includes the food items and everything else that I was talking about. Um, and so go to untanglingourroots.org, get your ticket there. And you can also book your hotel there through the venue button as well, uh, at the Marriott Louisville East hotel. And we so look forward to seeing everybody there. Like you said, Lily in person, it just makes such a difference to be with people in person. Thank you. I already have my ticket, you guys, but good information. More people need to get theirs. I can't wait to be there. I especially am excited about all those that are going to be bringing their books with them. And uh, there's so many good people writing their stories. It's exciting to be able to read about everybody's story that uh, has written. So I want to share with you, uh, Lily, um, Cara knows these stories because we both read our, read a lot of stories that come in, but uh, we get hundreds, we've gotten hundreds of stories now, but this story is very, um, it's really very a common theme that we get. And I want to read it because this man is, they hear about all our stories. We're like, would you, when you do this podcast, people hear about us. He, they hear about what's going on, but we have been now out in the circuit on like, we're, we're known throughout like radio, other TV shows and so forth. But this is a story that came in and I, and it just has hurt, broke my heart too, because it just continually reminds me of where we need to help people. This gentleman, he's a young guy in his thirties. He sent this in and he says, imagine growing up your entire life, looking for someone inside yourself that you know nothing about. That's pretty much my story. I'm 37 years old and wondered where my father was or better yet who he was. Growing up light skin with curly hair, I would constantly get asked, what am I? Who am I? I would constantly say at a young age, I know who I am, but I really didn't know. So I would ask my mom when I was confused, what am I? And she would say, you're a human being. As time went on and as I got older, I noticed all my friends with their dads. My father was not around. And I started wondering why Mine was never around. I, be, I got into my teens and I became more and more curious. And every time I'd ask my mother, I would never get a clear answer. So I did a DNA test. Long story short, I got my test results back and I was blown away. And then the next thing on the message is, please contact me. I need help. These are the messages we get from people. And I'm proud to say I'm working on our annual report, which will come out at this probably in a week or so. Um, but we have helped more than a thousand people this last year. Wow. And so having said that, Car, thank you for letting me know that that just blows my mind that it's over a thousand. Um, you know, thank you so much. Last time you had your podcast, you shared about the need for we need volunteers and a coordinator. We do need help at Right to Know to intake, uh, to be involved. Mm -hmm. um, donations, right? Donations. Uh, I, 
as my birthday uh, fundraiser, I always put you guys for my birthday fundraiser. I think even on Amazon, I can choose you you. as a. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're, we're in need and um, we we do, we have a a great mentor team, volunteer mentor team that is starting to really build. Um, But we are in need in other areas too. So mentoring though is our primary concern that we make sure we have people for all the people that contact us. You're right, Lily. Giving Tuesday is coming up and we would appreciate people's donations. It's hard for people to remember that, you know, we have insurance, we have technology needs. I'm sure you understand all of that. Um, uh, there's so many things that we, we, we have to pay for and we rely on everybody's generous donations. Um, sustaining donations are our favorite uh, which means you donate $20 a month or whatever you can afford. We have one woman who we helped who's on a fixed income and she donates $10 a month. And every time I see her name pop up in our donation thing, it just warms my heart because I know that for her, that $10 a month is a lot. And we so appreciate it. We appreciate whatever anybody can afford to give. You can donate on our website uh, through DonorBox. And like Lily said, I designate us on Amazon and we do get a check (laughs) from Amazon. Um, And then you can also do uh, Facebook fundraisers. And we so appreciate everyone's generosity. Well, we appreciate you more than you know. I mean, even me personally, I've gotten so much out of the work you guys have done. It's helped me in some really dark times. Um, I'm really looking forward to this summit. You guys, thanks for setting, I mean, first of all, all the work that you do, but thanks for setting the time aside today to talk to me about this. I appreciate you two so much. This is my heart oh, to you. Thank I'm giving you. you a heart, if you could see it. Thank you. Back to thanks, you. Lily, thank I, you. I, I get a hug when we meet in Louisville. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. At 8 a.m. Nice I'll bring oh, you a coffee. <laughs> no, no, not at 8 a.m. You know, that's true. Well, we're from the Pacific Northwest. We know we're we know the time change is huge. Oh, that's true. That's hard for Laura, you. Okay. Laura knows how hard it is for me. <laughs> and she's probably going to have me in a room at 6 a.m. Oh, my God. <laughs> ready to go. Okay. I, love ready to go. I love you, ladies. I love you, ladies, so much. Thank you. Have a good day, you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.